All we need is a little understanding Walk a mile in their shoes And if we keep our hearts open-minded We'll enjoy this wild ride called life And if we keep our hearts open-minded We'll enjoy this wild ride, this wild ride called life Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Truths We Hide podcast. I'm really excited to bring you this guest today, William Graber. I, you need to go check out his website because it's, it's amazing and the things that he does is just, it's impressive. So one of the things that I like when I ask, when I have a guest on the show is to give me their why and, and why they do the things that they do. So with William, you know, as a celebrity fashion stylist for the last decade, he Ashley has come to understand that we often compare our personal truth with other people's social masks. So, put simply, we compare how we feel with other people look on the outside, on social media, film, and TV, which is so true. So by comparison, we always keep it, we always come in second. So having styled people's outsides for so long, he is passionate about helping people style their life from the inside. So you can find out more information, and I'll put this in the show notes, at williamgraper.com, so that you can actually talk to him about all of this, because I know, you know, with social media, it, it is, it's all Instagram pretty, or it's what you see on the outside, but we forget about our inside. So William, thank you so much for being on here today. I'm so excited for you to share this, because I know that I can relate in so many ways. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm so glad to be here and to hopefully open up a space for people to help themselves that is maybe a little easier um, to get into. I think therapy and mental health can be something people avoid because it feels like a heavy topic or they're not ready to dive in. And I think using our material surroundings and the possessions that we own and that we cling to and looking at how we spend our money and how we present through social media or maybe the PTA or your child's classroom, whatever it is, however we're presenting to the world is, is a tool for assessing how we feel about ourselves, what we value, and ultimately the things that we wish that we were and hope that we can ultimately become. Um, so I, I, I really love starting with where people are mm -hmm. and helping them with the things that we all have in common that seem frivolous and superficial, like the car we drive, for example, but ultimately say a lot about who we are. No, that's so true. I, I I love that you've dug deeper into this because it isn't just about the clothes you wear all the time. So what what got you into wanting to be a celebrity fashion stylist in the beginning? Well, I think I grew up in Florida as a, you know, I, I'm a gay guy and I grew up in Florida and I looked to the big cities like New York and LA and I thought I really have to get out of here and go to these cities and create this fashion career and be... Um, looking back on it now, I can say I was really wanting to create the perfect world and fashion was a platform that allowed me to create perfection in my world. And what I know now is that creating perfection holds us back. And, you know, living in the fantasy of perfection is not necessarily going to help us grow. But at the time, I really needed to control my surroundings. So 
Fashion was a great way of doing that. Keeping your home perfect is a great way of doing that. Um, we all kind of do that in our own ways. So I think I was just really desperate to create the, the perfect world. Fashion was the fantasy that allowed that. And now I'm kind of realizing that reality is a lot more exciting than the fantasy. Um, and, you know, having worked with Katy Perry and Billie Eilish and John Legend and for Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, I mean, I've had an incredible career that I'm so grateful for. But what it allowed me to see was that the, the greatest most glamorous people in the world and the people with the most money and the most success are just like everybody else. And ultimately those things don't fulfill us. And so we end up right back where we started ultimately, even if we achieve those things. So just allowing people to um, opening up a door for people to find ways of being content where they are now is really, I think an important part of my mission because I think we spend so much time and energy hoping we're going to ultimately one day arrive being not present where we are now. And we either expel all that energy hoping to get there and don't get there, or we get there and realize it wasn't what, it wasn't what we thought it would do for us anyway. So why not just come from the place of, you know, letting that idea go while still having goals and aspirations and dreams. That is so interesting. So when you style these to us, they're, they're famous people, they're celebrities, but to, you know, you're around them, they're just normal people, right? So how, when you style them, what is it, are you able to portray those beliefs that you have now into them and do they, do they see that? And how does, you know, how does that work? Yeah, I think that the, one of the reasons why I continue to work is that I'm, I am present as real and, I, and authentic and I don't really get caught up in fame and glamour and those kinds of things that I think a lot of people who get an opportunity like that might be too starstruck or caught up in it. I really have this ability to see everybody as equal and to see everybody as, as coming from the same place with the same desires and wishes for their health, their family's health, connection with others. And so I try to look at it from that perspective. I would say that fashion is extremely stressful. Um, it's, it's like Devil Wears Prada is not a joke, you know? And so um, you, I oftentimes for years was really caught up in the stress of it which kept me from connecting with people. And ultimately, as I got more successful, I was able to sort of slow down and connect more deeply with, with my clients. But it really took me, I was actually listening to a Super Soul Conversations with Oprah and, and somebody was on and they said, you know, you can be the most incredible architect in the world and you can create beautiful buildings and people can hire you and, and love your work. But if you are not passionate about architecting, you will never feel successful. There will never be the commission of the building that you build where everyone applauds, it gives you the applause that you think you want that will make you feel like, oh, I've arrived because you don't find integrity in what you are doing or you are not passionate about what you're doing. And that really struck me because I thought, in, I was chasing the next thing. I was like, the next cover will make me feel successful. The next celebrity will make me feel successful. And that just woke me up to this idea that that's not going to happen. There isn't, I'm not passionate about fashion in the way that I had started out as anymore. And I needed something deeper. And, and the thing about fashion is that while I am working with real people, there we're creating imagery and fantasy and we're creating things that I don't actually get to deal with the direct people who receive the art. So I'd never get that feeling of like, I've helped someone. And I just woke up to that fact that like 
while dressing up models is really fun, I'm not, we're doing this for our own sake. Like I don't get to feel the reader enjoy what we've created. And I was really missing that. And so going back to school to get my master's in psychology has just given me a greater confidence to go out and, and help people in a more meaningful way and just sort of stop playing dress up. Which if you look at my Instagram, most of my followers came from this fantastical world I created by going on road trips and wearing crazy outfits. I would put on like a wild dress or I'd put on a clown costume and I would take these amazing portraits and I loved expressing myself in that way. But at some point I really longed for reality and connecting with people for real. And I had to make a change. Wow. That is, I appreciate you, you sharing all that because I think passion is something we haven't we don't really connect with lately or over the past 10 years. It's all about making the money or, or, or being famous. It's, but now I think we need to really do find that passion because that's what's going to keep us to keep getting up each day and to find that happiness that we've been longing for that we've hidden behind something else or covered up with something else. So I, it, you know, I, I love how, real you are with it, especially in the job that you do and wanting to find the deeper meaning and then going back to school to get that and that's that's so important and I love that you're doing that so now you are a life and style coach so now you're helping people find that meaning tell us about that yeah I think we see so many people presenting a certain way. This used to be just a celebrity issue and we couldn't relate as well. But now that we all have our own personal platforms on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, we can present whatever we like. And I'm finding that if you're not presenting who you really are, or you're only presenting one dimension of who you are, which is really on a two dimensional platform, that's all you're able to really express anyway. So it's already limiting just by the way it's built. But if you're then only using that platform to express the good parts of yourself and you're, you're not showing the totality of who you are and you're presenting in a way that's not totally authentic, people fall in love with someone who doesn't exist. And you ultimately feel less and less seen because the more followers you get, the less seen you feel because you're like, but I'm not really being myself. So it's a catch 22 because you get what you think you want, but you don't get what you want. So it, it's kind of like, I think about it like Splenda, like you'd be much better off just having the cupcake with real sugar because Splenda makes you think that you're getting sugar, but you're not getting sugar. So then you're actually changing your brain's relationship with sugar and you're, you're, you're actually going to crave more sugar because you're, you're, you're not satiating the thing your body's really asking for, which is sugar. So a little bit of sugar would be better than a lot of a chemical because that chemical can't really give you the feeling you want. So I think about it like that with social, it's the more we put out, the more, the more validation we receive, the less we feel seen, unless we're doing it with you know, authenticity and intention and purpose. So helping people create the life they want and acknowledging that we're material people, acknowledging that we have to buy clothes, that we have to buy a car. You know, There's a lot of Eastern philosophy that's like rejecting possessions is the ultimate enlightenment and we should be people who don't want material things or, you know, I used to have this idea that like humility and being humble meant like rejecting the material world and like driving around in a car that was just like basic because I just felt like that would be humble. But what I've realized is like, 
if we're doing something passionately and authentically and we're doing it from a place of real intention of the truth of who we are, we can have whatever we want. This is not about having a life that's one way or another. And so I think the more we can align and integrate how we're presenting with how we feel and we're honest about that, the more love we'll receive, the more connection we will feel, and the more confidence we'll feel about ourselves and how we live our lives. That is so true. I, I love that. And I, you know, I think I've seen that in the past few months that we've all been on this lockdown. I think more people are starting to share their real selves now. Mm-hmm. And, and I really appreciate that because now it's, you know, now's the time to just be open and honest and realize what's happening in the world and the difference that we can make it, you know, the changes and just being authentic because it's, it's, it's happening and there's no other way out. We need to be, we need to be our real selves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just want to say too, sorry to cut you off, but oh, yeah. about that idea of being authentic and about being ourselves, I think many people, including myself at first, didn't know what to make of that because we'll say, well, I am being myself. I am being authentic and I don't know how to be any other way. Sometimes that's true. Oftentimes that's conditioning or what we feel society has sort of helped us create about ourselves or our family needs us to be a certain way or I'm a mother and I have to be a certain way or father. And ultimately it's not about saying everybody has to change. And it's not about saying that the people who are saying they're authentic are not. It's just about deeply looking and making sure that it's aligned. So a great way that people can do that now at home is is look at your bank statements. And how you spend your money will tell you what your values are. How you spend your money will tell you what you find important in the world. You know, if, if I believe I, in supporting small businesses mm-hmm. and I'm spending all my money at big box stores, there's an incongruency between who I wish to be and who I'm actually being. So until I align that feeling of who I am with how I behave and how I, how I act in the world, I'll always feel like there's the gap that ultimately is unhappiness. That gap is unhappiness. So I think it's just about aligning who we think we are and our thoughts with our behavior and making sure that they're really as close together as possible. No, that's right. And when you say, I I love how you bring up bank statements because I was thinking about my own and it's mostly for food. (laughs) It's to make sure my family's fed, but it's either at a small business restaurant here that's suffering or at um, the grocery store. But I've found that I haven't been spending money on all random shit that I used to just buy. Mm-hmm. I've started to really think about what's a, what do I need versus what I want just because it's changed. It's changed me a lot. It, it's kind of scary. And, and going back to showing who we are, you know, it, it is scary sometimes because we've put on this persona of who we think people want us to be. And so it's scary to break out of that mold into who we really are because we're afraid of being judged. And I know with me in the beginning, when I started to talk about my own personal journey, I've lost friends and it it sucks and it's hard, but I, you know, I had to realize that there are certain people that will come in my life and then we'll leave and they'll all leave some kind of imprint or I'll learn some kind of lesson. And, but that took a long time for me to realize and I didn't know how to deal with that. And then after a while, I said, you know what? The people that are meant to stay will stay mm-hmm. through the whole process. So how did you personally deal with 
that kind of thing. Cause I, it, it's hard even as an adult. I know as when we're younger and we lose friends, it's traumatic. And then as an adult, you feel like, oh, I don't have time for this shit, but it really sings. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. I actually was having this conversation this morning with a friend because I think it is a courageous commitment to yourself to say, I'm so uncomfortable being someone that I'm not that if I lose these people, that's fine. And the trade-off would be worse if I st stuck around for something that wasn't true to me. Um, and I think most people in order to make change need to be up against such uncomfortability that they make a change. Um, you know, I kind of call it the gift of desperation. It's the gift of feeling desperate enough in something you've created that you have to make a change. And if that means losing people along the way, that means losing people along the way because the ultimate intention is to be true to yourself. And so, you know, I know that can be really hard for parents with kids who have to put their kids first, but ultimately I still believe that if you put yourself first, then everything else falls into place. Or if you take care of yourself first, everything falls into place. Um, but in terms of your question of how I've navigated that, I have experienced that because my, I can only speak to something that might be super, some superficial to some, but like in the realm of social media, let's use that as an example. I used to be this theatrical fashion person. So most of the people that followed me were following me for that kind of content. As I've moved into coaching, there's a lot of who do you think you are? And there's a lot of like, um, unfollowing happening and a lot of rejection, but then also a lot of new people that are following that are into the new version of myself into the evolution. So yeah, you do lose the people that are not meant to be there and then you gain new ones. And I've had the same happen in close friend groups. You know, I got sober five years ago and I lost many, many people. So I understand that that I have the perspective now to look back and say that everything ends up all right when, when people leave you, but it does hurt. It does make you feel like, God, am I going down the wrong path? Am I making a mistake? Cause this person really knew me and they really, now they don't like the person I'm becoming. Or, but I think we kind of scare people when we sort of start feeling confident about who we are and moving in a direction that's good for us because we force those people to look at themselves inadvertently with that you don't I think it's you don't need to be promoting you can just be yourself and people will come and go and so you know any when I quit drinking anybody who had a drinking problem had an issue with me quitting drinking so I mean people went away you know and the people who who were comp who were comfortable in their own drinking habits didn't care they were supportive so I do think we, as we evolve, we lose people and I do, and we gain people, but I think that's part of the reason why people don't change because they'd rather be comfortable in something that's not great than have the unknown confront them. The period in which you feel totally alone before the new ones come, because there's always that period. That's the scariest, you know, you make the change, things feel like you're moving. And then there's a break where you're like in between friend groups or in between, you know? Yeah that's when you have to really hold on to your seat and say like, I'm, I'm going to double down on my commitment to myself. That's hard to do is to stay committed to yourself, even with all those changes. But if you just have one person the whole time, like I think we get caught up in thinking we need more than one, but if you just have that one person that believes in what you're doing while you're believing in what you're doing, it helps you, I think, stay on course. Absolutely. No, that, that is true. You start realizing that you don't need a hundred friends, mm -hmm. just those 
just those five that actually have been with you through the beginning and, you know, believed in you and helped you to believe in yourself. That's, I think that's what matters. And I wish I would have seen that <laughs> years ago, but I, you know, I think all of these experiences create or help us to form the person that we are now. Yeah. And that, and that is really when I say let's work with where people are, that's, that's kind of another great tool for assessment right there. You know, like if you're someone who likes having a hundred people around you, that may not be right or wrong. Let's just discuss why you feel like you need a large friend group. Are you someone who has difficulty getting really close to people? So large groups are better because there's less intimacy and one-on-one. Are you, there's so many different ways in which you can work with your current situation to question and to look deeply at your intentions and values. Because oftentimes I find that people who are deep are craving deep connection with people are people with a lot of friends. And I always wonder like, and I had that experience living in New York, like in a city of that many people with that many friends, I felt the most alone because I was craving something deeper than these group dynamics. And then when I started sort of weeding out all the people and got down to just a few key quality ones, all my needs were met because I, I was satiating and scratching that itch of what I was really looking for, which was something deeper than group dynamics. That makes sense. I, I like how you, how you dug into that because yeah, that, that makes sense. It's hard to see, I think on an individual basis. I think you really do have to work with someone like myself or some, or a friend or someone just to peel it apart and see the, see the truth of it, you know? Especially when I work with people who are struggling with weight and they have a closet full of clothes that don't fit them anymore and they're thinking, I'm gonna hang on to these because one day, or I'm not gonna buy anything nice now because one day, and they're never living today. And then it's like, getting to the heart of those clothes with them is one of the most rewarding things because they're able to say like, I'm holding onto that dress because it reminds me of a version of myself that I wish I was. And it's like exploding that idea of saying like, that dress is not who you are. And the idea of what it was might be excitement or my husband and the fun we had, or I felt sexy. It's then so that dress speaks to your values of wanting to feel sexy, wanting to have fun with your husband and wanting your independent free time, for example. Mm-hmm. And then helping a woman go get those things now because we pinpointed what she wants just through that dress is like the most exciting thing because it seems so frivolous. It's a stupid dress, but it speaks to so many things that we can go out and get now in a more meaningful way at whatever size we are. and from whatever amount of money we have, we can create those things from here. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking about my own closet because I've gone through that. <laughs> I've, <laughs> hold, I've held on to so many pieces of clothing for the one day. And then I had to realize, you know, I haven't worn this in two years. It's not gonna be worn, it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I try to find the joy in handing it off to somebody else because it's another chapter. It's a new chapter for someone else. It's a new chapter for me. It's hard. Mm-hmm. You would think you could just toss clothes out or materialistic things out, but it's hard because you just, you create this emotional connection mm-hmm. and it's that feeling of, yeah, uh, so many, so many things. 
how do you, so how do you help style people now? I see that you offer that on your website. So how do you help people with that now? So I have two different kinds of clients at the moment and I'm, I'm trying to integrate what I'm doing to help them both in a similar way, but I'm, I'm still going to be a stylist. So I still have magazines calling me and brands calling me and I have an agent that gets me styling work where I'll go and do a shoot for a denim company or for um, a cosmetic brand. And that will, that for, that has been my bread and butter for 15 years. And while I build the next chapter into something, morph this into the next chapter of helping people on a more one-on-one -on -one basis, that is something I'll continue to do. But it's interesting because most of the people who reach out to me for coaching and for this kind of conversation are people who care about aesthetics and care about their wardrobe or their weight or their, um, they care about the material world. And so I don't get clients that are coming to me with, extreme mental illness. I get people who are dealing with more of like fulfillment, alignment, purpose, presentation of who we are. And that's a lane that feels really true to me and feels like I have a, a, a valuable background of experience in. You know, I, I'm on that track to get licensed as a psychologist right now. And I'm on the fence because there's, there's a lot of things that are unconventional, like working with your wardrobe to see who you are. That doesn't really fit into current modern day therapy. So I'm bridging the gap between the two. And I think it's, I, I have found enough value in it this way that I think it will work and people enjoy it. So I'm just plugging along and I'm just staying committed to the goal of acknowledging that I care about how things look and I care about the material world. And then I also care about how people feel inside and getting, getting people to a place where they can help create their own beautiful life from the inside out is, is something I'm so passionate about that I know it can't not work. Yeah. It has to work, you know? No, absolutely. So, so where do you see yourself in the next five years then is to be able to bridge that gap and have it be, you know, it, it's going to be worldwide it's going to be known because you're going to be that person that's going to educate people and I think that's that's what's exciting but where do you see yourself well I'm working on a book um and I'm working I, I'd like to work with people more most of my time be spent one-on-one -on -one with people or in group settings and workshops I'm developing right now a way of doing this in a group setting um because you know people's material worlds are all different. So when you get them into a room and there's everyone coming from all different walks of life, it's a different conversation. So right now I'm working on trying to find a way to get that to work in a group setting. So I hope down the line in the next five years, I have enough individual practice um, and group practices that I could be doing that full time. I really love styling, but there is something about helping people in this more meaningful way to me that is, more fulfilling in the long run and that's really where I see myself in the next five years is working with people one-on-one -on -one and doing workshops and you know having panels with people that I really enjoy listening to and just giving people the resources because I think like we spend money and time on our physical health and on our home and all these other things mental health comes last yeah. And there's such a stigma, and you and I were talking about this before the show, there's such a stigma around 
taking care of your mental health. And I want to make it cool in the same way that, you know, I think I've been able to transform clothing and make them cool. I, I want to do that for mental health and make it approachable and fun for people because it doesn't have to be so dark. We can actually make this an enjoyable process. And I, to get young people thinking about their mental health and people posting photos with their trainers online and take, I take care of my physical body and I'm proud of that. I'm like, why aren't we doing that for our mental health? Yes. Yes. So I can help move the cause and move the, the dial a little bit on that. You're so right. And, and I love that you're on that mission because it's true. We're so, we're quick to do everything else, but the inside, that invisible wound that no one wants to talk about, that's just not, people are so afraid. And I don't know how, you know, and you can't blame people because it's like, who wants to go sit in the past? I don't. Or, yeah. when I personal therapy I am all, I have a new therapist I'm like I do not want to go talk about my childhood I do not want to go sit in my stuff I do not want people to meditate I want something tangible to do yeah I want something practical and I think that's kind of where I'm filling the gap is everything I'm learning in school to become a psychologist I'm saying well this is great and this is great and this is great and I'm pulling from all of them and I'm creating my own way because everyone can talk about their car, their home, the dress they have on, their new pair of shoes. They can all talk about that and you can get them comfortable there and then be like, well, I wonder what that's about and go a little deeper and go a little deeper and go a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And then it gives people, next thing people know, they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that. Now I can make a change. But there's something about the formal therapeutic system, the way it works now, that we sit on this couch and we're like immediately kind of like, worried that something's going to come up and bite us and it's going to keep us in the dark for longer than we want to be. Yeah. And we're worried that we're paying this person an arm and a leg for an hour and then we're going to leave this room and we're going to be left with all this new information and nothing to do about it. So why not start where people are, which like right now people want to feel joy and comfort. There's, it's been just such an insane year for people financially, emotionally, and, and like, this is not superficial stuff because it's it's like we can meet people where they are mm -hmm. and ultimately talk deeper. But like, let's just be kind to ourselves and to the process and just allow what comes up to come up and and not beat ourselves up and hold on to this idea that there's something so deep and dark inside of us that until we figure it out and work through it and get rid of it and meaning make, we can't live our lives. I just I don't believe that. No, you're. Those are all really good points, and and it's true. It's true. Not everybody wants to go back into that deep, dark hole. They want to just let's start from now. And I think that's, yeah, I, I think that is going to be the key for a lot of people. I think that's so important. That's great. So what's your book going to be about? And when's that going to come out? Well, there's no date on the book yet. It's still very much early stages. Um, I, I really take this holistic approach to this philosophy of what I call object relations, which is working with people's objects. And, you know, object relations is a theory of psychology, which is about your attachments with your early childhood figures in your environment. And I've taken that and, and turned it into our actual objects and working with people's actual material life. So that's kind of my play on that theory, which I hope to outline in a book, which I'm working on now. Um, but I take a holistic approach to this idea, which is, a podcast and a book and my website and all of that I think works together. So I hope people will join me in whichever way works for them. 
And, you know, I'm here to help if, if people are interested in this kind of work. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. And, and I love everything that you're doing. This is, it's amazing to be able to connect with other like-hearted, like-minded people. So I, I appreciate you doing what you're doing. Thank you. And you as well with the platform that you're creating for people like myself to speak. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I do. I never, I never realized what I would be doing with this, but I think this is my, this is my path. And to meet people like you just makes it even, gives me more clarity on, on what I'm doing. So I, I love it. I love this. But uh, gosh, William, thank you so much for being on here, for doing what you do. And you all need to go find him on Instagram mm -hmm. and at williamgraper.com and just talk with him because he's, he's amazing. I'd love that. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say, I know that right now, many of us have been out of work for months. And so it's, it's not always affordable to take care of our mental health. And so right now I'm, I'm offering a chance for people to work with me on a sliding scale so that people from all different backgrounds can, can get into the work here and then hopefully do this on their own and create, create a way of working with themselves on their own. Cause I don't believe we should be seeing people for help for the rest of our lives. It's like help people get on their feet and then usher them into the world. So if anybody is out there who's really struggling, as many of us are, please just reach out either way and we'll figure something out. I love that. That's very generous of you. That's awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see what else you're going to do. So we will be connecting with you. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Do you need to promote your business? Then podcast sponsorship is a great way to do just that. Podcast sponsorship is a great way to connect with new customers, a new audience, a new range of people who don't know about you. It is also an easy way to increase traffic to all of your social media and your website. If you need to promote your business and would like to be a sponsor of the Truths We Hide podcast, then let's connect. Head on over to a wildridecalllife.com and click on the sponsorship tab.